Welcome to the Democracy in Color podcast, the voice of the new American majority. I'm your host, Amy Allison. This is a special episode of Democracy in Color podcast because today I'm announcing She the People, the nation's first effort to elevate women of color as voters, leaders, and strategists to inspire and engage the new American majority. And on September 20th, I am calling the She the People Summit, the first national summit elevating the voice of women of color working to shape our political future. I want to highlight the strategies that women of color are using to win gains that will shift our country's politics in 2018, 2020, and beyond. So my guests today are two women who are doing amazing work to engage, support, and amplify the voice and power of women of color, particularly in the South and Southwest and their wisdom and organizing chops should be directing and inspiring what Democrats and progressives do everywhere. And so glad to be joined now by Latasha Brown, co-founder of the Black Voters Matter Fund, and Tori Govito, executive director of the Texas Future Project and co-founder of Way to Win. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation today. Me too. We're a truly national group of women. Tori coming from Texas. Latasha, you're in uh, Georgia right now. I am in Georgia, but I am Georgia by way of Alabama. Okay, because you always you're always repping Bama every time I, I talk always, to you. You have to represent Alabama and Selma at that. Okay, okay. Well, I want to talk to you about how women of color are going to change this entire country's trajectory because we're on a bad path right now. I think we can all agree. So, Tori, how did you get into politics? It was 2012. And Julian Castro had just given an amazing speech at the DNC. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's a Texan. And he was standing up there delivering this picture of the promise of Texas. You know, we've got millions of folks sitting on the sidelines, primarily Latinos. And if we can just engage them, the course of history changes not just for Texans, but for the country. And I thought, that's what I need to do. That will solve the problems. Then we can go back and change all the rules that we want to change for everybody, not just immigrants, but people living here for generations. That's why I jumped into the Texas Future Project. So inspiring. <laughs> Latasha, how'd you get into politics? Uh, there was an organization that was doing some work down the Alabama New South Coalition. I was a young woman at the time. And they needed someone to help kind of organize. And I was an organizer. And, you know, once you get the political bug, I don't know if you can ever get rid of it. Mm. And you got it. Right. <laughs> so take me through what the strategy looks like in these few weeks before the midterm to actually double down with women of color's led strategy and leadership in winning the new American majority in these seats based in places in the South and Southwest. Sure. So let me take it big picture and then down to the granular for this particular cycle. So big picture, the South by Southwest region of the United States is among the fastest growing parts of the country. It contains right now the most diverse generation in American history, the Gen Z, um, and they're aging into the electorate just every day. Hundreds of thousands of Gen people. Z are the 18-year-olds or 16-year-olds? Yeah, 16 year olds <laughs> they're or? the ones that come after the millennials. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I had an intern this summer who reminded me that there is something younger than millennial, believe it or not, already were in the workforce, right? So they're concentrated in these South and Southwest regions. Um, and when I say South and Southwest, I do mean the entire West to South Slope, right? So 
California all the way down through the border, through Texas, all the way to Florida. So the numbers are pretty clear, right? Uh, Steve Phillips has done a great job of breaking this down. I want to acknowledge his work with... um, Brown is a New White. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's an an incredibly important book to read. But the numbers are really clear. So take Texas, which is the kingdom of them all, right? So you've got a 600,000 voter gap and millions of people concentrated in three cities who are already part of your team that we just haven't for the long term, invested in talking to. So when you say vote gap, for those who aren't political strategists Mm -hmm. like uh, all the women on this call, (laughs) a vote gap are the number of votes needed to win the state. Is that correct? That's right. Because Trump won Texas. Yeah, that's right. But he won it by about 800,000 votes. So this is a race that everybody's looking at for Senate, Beto O'Rourke versus Ted Cruz. Um, We project, based on historical data, that Beto O'Rourke will lose by 600,000 votes. So 600,000 more Republicans will turn out than Democrats. That's what we mean by vote gap. So we have to figure out where we come up with 600,000 more people. And we can do that in the state of Texas, where there's 21 million people and about 4 million progressives concentrated in two cities who are young people, people of color. These numbers are starkest in Texas because it's a volume game. It's just a massive state that's um, really a state of states, right? So this is a massive undertaking. But wait, are you predicting that the Democrats are able to win Texas in 2018? They could if we put the operations in place in these major cities to mobilize these folks. So it can be done. It can be done. And you could focus on the Latino vote. Yeah. Okay. It can be done. So now back to the big picture, though. Texas is a stark example. But if you look at the data across the states from Arizona to Georgia, these are other states that people are talking about this cycle, the numbers are equally clear. And one of the things that strikes me about these numbers is, um, you know, sometimes I'm walking through the grocery store and I think, This is not a new demographic change sort of thing. These states have always had massive people who reflect a different sort of democracy. We've always had this massive potential in the South and Southwest, but we just haven't tapped it. Yeah. When I when I uh, announced to the people at the country's largest progressive conference called Netroots, you know, I I gave a, a, a speech and I said, it's not, our voters are not red to blue. We're not, we're, our, our voters aren't people who would have vote, voted for Trump in the first place. It's no. non-voter to voter. That's right. And, I, you know, I wanted to ask you, Latasha, about the South. In Georgia, we're seeing challenges to voting rights that would uh, impact black voters being able to come to the polls, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. One example, a recent example, is in um, a county that's in southwest Georgia called Randolph County. And in that county, what we're seeing is the local election board put a proposal on the table. The interesting thing is that there was no public real announcement around it. A civic engagement leader, an elder, was reading the newspaper and looked at the legal section and buried within um, what the election board was dealing with was this proposal of closing seven of the nine polling places. Those of us that have been working in the South know that that right there is a prime example of why Section 5 in the Voting Rights Act was needed and is still needed, because had that been in there, there would have been a preclearance. So they would have had to make sure that those plans to close those polls went through the Justice Department. But now without that happening, we're seeing that kind of activity pop up all over the South. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's so disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. This summer, my girls and I took a road trip through the South. We 
started in Atlanta, drove through Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, came home to Texas. And one of the stops we made was in Montgomery, Alabama, at the Memorial for Peace and Justice, which is commemorating the lynchings in this country. And I, I'm thinking about this right now because as political operatives were trained to memorize counties. And when I was walking through the memorial, I saw all those counties mm. represented in where there was violence. And mm. I'm making this point now because it struck me that it was all those counties that I am forced to memorize as critical spaces where multiracial coalitions can come together and build power, where there was the mm. most fear and the most um, intentional state violence. And so when Latasha is talking to us about the Voting Rights Act and the stripping away of rights and access, this is just a new iteration of what we've seen for a long time in the South. So with little investment, I mean, I don't think there was any real resource being spent in Texas, Arizona, or Georgia. And there were millions and millions of dollars spent in other parts of the country. The voters that are sitting on the sidelines are not apathetic. They're saying, when I have voted in the past, nothing in my life has changed. So who is the best position to talk to that voter and build a path from their doorstep to the polls? Well, you know, Latasha, you've been working on the ground and doing this kind of organizing. What does it actually look like? I've seen millions as a political operative, millions and millions of dollars just go into a community, like just put on television ads, people pull out at the end of the day, and that community, the skill set of the groups, the organizations, none of that is any greater than when they came. But there is a, if we're talking about really protracted struggle and we're literally talking about building power over time and seizing this moment, we've got to look at what is the existing landscape and the existing infrastructure. What are the needs to shore up and plug into that and where there are gaps, be able to bring to bear what we can actually leave in those communities. I mean, you're literally talking about going to the pastor of a church or mm-hmm. the leader of a group. Is, is, is that how you work? We're actually doing a tour throughout the South, and we're starting in Georgia, and we're focusing on Georgia, rural Georgia communities. We've got one meeting in a barbershop. We've got a gathering at a church. We've got a gathering. Actually, we're meeting a whistle stop on the side of the road at a convenience store. We're going where people meet, where people are influenced, and where they get their news and their information. I think sometimes when you come with these prescribed like ideas of what the infrastructure should look like, you're unable to recognize when it's indigenous to that community. The example that I love to use is that the day before the election, I literally had a reporter that called me and wanted me to give a statement on why there was a going to be a low turnout of black voters in Alabama. He was trying to pre-write his story in advance. And, and at the time, let's, let's be clear now, when we went to bed that night, Roy Moore was being projected all the way up to the winter That's as right. the winner. Those of us that were on the ground, we knew what was happening. If you're listening to these two women, you're going to be like, okay, I am saying Tori and Latasha are amongst the nation's top political strategists. I cannot emphasize to you how different this conversation is than if we went to some Democratic Party operative, the people who are like establishment, we know how to win. They're going to go after moderate voters or even Trump voters and try to win. That's not how we're going to take the House in 2018. This is the fierceness, but it's also this big loving part of the way that women of color, even political strategists or leaders are approaching 
um, this work. Um, it's so true. I cried the other day when I was looking mm-hmm. at the map for the Senate. You know, we have to hold a bunch of Senate seats. We have to pick up a bunch of Senate seats. And I cried thinking about Texas on this list because this is a year. You know, this is a year. We've got a great candidate. Beto is working his tail off in both the rural and the urban parts of Texas. He's really appealing to a bunch of folks. He's, you know, laying out his case. We've built infrastructure for years, been taking big counties, big cities, been winning. And if someone had paid attention to us a few years back, this would be a year for Texas to really take it. It's still possible, but, you know, we're 67 days away from early vote. So the, it's t- time is ticking. It, yeah. The other thing I'd say, and I just wanted to point this out because I think it was Ann Richards who said it first that politics is about time, talent, and treasure. And the treasure part mm-hmm. is important. So we need the material resources. We need the money to be able to put, invest in the folks that are building these sort of winning campaigns like Latasha has listed. That's really been the work of Texas Future Project for a very long time, is making sure that we've got an ear to the ground in Texas, listening for those sharp strategies, listening for these folks who really understand how communities tick, and then bringing it to donors who can invest in those strategies. And um, after 2016, you know, we talked a little bit about how these states in the South and Southwest, Texas being the first among them, or the biggest among them to have the biggest gains, I saw a light at the end of the tunnel. I saw Hillary Hillary Clinton cut Barack Obama's loss in half. Um, So between 2012, when Barack Obama won by 971 votes, and 2016, Clinton won by 160,000 votes. You're listening to Democracy in Color. We'll be right back with our interview with Latasha Brown and Tori Govino. Hi, I'm Amy Allison, host of the podcast Democracy in Color, the voice of the new American majority. Join our conversations with today's best and brightest political leaders, strategists, and thinkers. Our mission, to take our country back with the power of progressives of every race. And we invite you to join us. To learn more, visit democracyincolor.com or follow us on Twitter at Democracy Color. And we're back. Welcome back to Democracy in Color. So all these people at the end of 2016 said life is over. Yeah. Um, You're giving us a way through. And, Latasha, I know that you, as part of this tour, you're going to Florida and Mississippi. Those are places where the GOP has dominated for a long time. Tell us why you think there's hope there. There's also a Senate seat that I think people really need to watch that is is very, very possible and within grasp in Tennessee. Mm. In Mississippi, what we see is we actually see there is a really strong candidate, um, U.S., was running for the U.S. Senate seat. Um, he was a former Secretary of Agriculture, Mike Espy. Isn't Mississippi's population 40 percent black? Do I have that right? There, there's between estimates between 30, 38 and 40 percent. OK, that's a, that's um, black, the highest population of of in black resident in the country. Right. So I think the things that you have working in Mississippi are a, couple, a number of things. One, you've got the highest black population um, in the country in Mississippi. Second, uh, the voting behavior that African-American women in Mississippi turn out at higher rates than any other constituency group in the country, black or white. Hmm. Um, three, I think you have a 
Um, and I think when you're starting to look at young folks and millennials, you, their orientation is ex- distinctively different around how they see themselves as a Southerner and the South. And so you've got these new formed coalitions and this new energy that's there that I think makes Mississippi a very formidable state. In addition to that, you have uh, Mike Espy and the other candidates will actually run head-to-head. So in a head-to-head election, the candidate that can pull 50% plus one of the vote can actually win this election. So we think it's really feasible. It's very exciting what's happening. And, and you're hearing it here first because uh, I don't think the Democratic Party, Miss Brown, has gotten the memo about Mississippi and the power of black well, voters. And I just want to say black, when you say black voters, the majority of those voters are black women. Black women have the highest vote turnout of any race and right. gender that's and right. have had. And when you said, I remember you were on the panel with me uh, in uh, Netroots a couple weeks back and uh, you said this whole idea about black women as the vanguard, whereas yes. after Alabama's results in 2017 special Senate election, you were like, OK, thank you, black women. But what is missing from that analysis? We've got to make an investment in the leadership of black women who are not just voters, but are strategists. Even in Alabama, the three top the organizations that were doing the bulk of the black uh, mobilization work in Alabama were led by black women. And I think it's really important for us to think about um, making investments in black women as strategists. We know communities. We know how to get the message out. We know how to get the word out. We know how to strategize. We build networks. That's what we do. It's just women in general. We build networks. And so I think it's a network strategy and activating those networks is a strategy that really is going to lead us to a path of winning. Yeah, it's the finest tradition of Ella Baker, who was the master organizer in NAACP and SNCC and was the the largely unacknowledged power behind the success of the civil rights movement. She did not believe in messianic leadership. She believed in leaderful communities. And you're both going to participate in the She the People Summit, which is coming up in September 20th, um, and both speaking. And I am so excited. I am like so. I just want you to know. I I, I am so excited about that. I cannot tell you uh, what it's like to build a platform to have women of color because we talk about black women. You know, Tori, people are not talking about the power of Latinas. That's true. In Arizona or Southern California or people are not talking about the power of Asian American women in places like Virginia or Georgia. Or Georgia. Right, where where the primary... Stephanie Cho, Asian Americans Advancing Justice Executive Director who ran... People don't even recognize broadly that Asian Americans are a really fast-growing demographic in the South. Absolutely. People aren't talking about uh, Arab American women the progressive side of things in a place like Michigan, where Rashida Tlaib just won. It's a blue district, but uh, we're making space in places that are traditional blue. It's not just uh, Democrat to Republican. It's really these women of color holding these very powerful social, economic, and racial justice messages. Um, it's And it's it's Native women in places like Kansas. And, That's right. Isn't and, it inspiring? It's, it's very inspiring. And this is why I decided after 2016 I had to color outside the lines because <laughs> Texas just wasn't enough for, any, for me anymore. I decided if we're going to convince folks that Texas is a place where we should center our you know, time, treasure, and talent, then we've got to start proving up this theory in, in mass across the country. Right, and we also have to work across race. Yes. And I wanted to hear from both of you 
how we do it. I I I live in the Bay right. and I'm multiracial myself, and so I'm built in. <laughs> I'm a built in solidarity. <laughs> but I think there's something about the way that women of color can organize across race uh, that shows we have a heart for other people. And I just want to get your feeling about, you know, and your sense of how we can show the rest of the country how to do that. That's right. So really, it was looking at 2016 and seeing all the places we won. If you can connect the dots between all the places we won in 2016, this was when everybody else was crying because we, you know, everything looked lost. What I saw was Tram win in Virginia, having won some pretty massive gains in Virginia. What I saw was, um, right. you know, John Laredo in Arizona having just ousted Arpaio and made minimum wage a possibility for millions of Arizonans. What I saw was Crystal Zermeno win in Harris County. Which, you know, I told you the stats before where just Clinton blew the roof off of um, the Houston area. What I saw in us winning was all these women of color. And so I knew it was time to build with my you know, aligned colleagues, Jen Ancona from the Women's Donor Network and Leah Hunt Hendricks from Solidaire, Way to Win, which was the group then that could take all this great information from the ground. You know, all the work that Latasha's mentioned, all the work that we know, all these inspiring women of color across that they themselves reflect a multiracial coalition. If we could synthesize that into one common strategy, then anything was possible. Yeah. And I just look at the work that you're doing, Latasha, as so inspiring. What's your thought of uh, about how women of color can lead a broader, inclusive multiracial coalition? And I think there's a particular experience that women of color have um, around how do you fight up against um, when there it seems like there's just resistance. How can you continually um, stay with your principles, have your dignity and say, no, we're going to transform this. And I think there's something really powerful that culture actually prepares people to do. I always like to say in the South, the South will eat strategy for breakfast. Um, <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> that means that you can have the best strategic plan all day long, right? If it is not in alignment with the culture of that community, it will eat strategy for breakfast. Mm -hmm. It You can go, I can give examples and examples of where that has happened before. Um, culture is such a part of the, the way that we operate, the way that we make decisions, the way that we move people. And when we're tapping into that treasure and the people are leading the front lines on knowing their community and being able to be empowered to move their community and having the resources they need, there is no way we can lose. There's mm. no way we can lose. So part of the challenge is within the progressive community, we have to knock down our own barriers and be able to, to cross across lines, really to be able to build relationship, to do organizing with each other, also understand how we move different messages in different communities and tailor that. That is the path to winning. Mm -hmm. mm. It's so beautiful. And uh, it's not just in the South and Southwest that no. uh, women of color are right. doing remarkable things. By now, everybody's heard about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who ran, who ran successfully and beat a 10-term Democrat uh, in New York and will be, um, I think, you know, she's coming from a blue district. She'll be in Congress uh, next year. I, I mentioned Rashida 
Tlaib. Um, but it's also Deb Holland who won her primary. She'd be the first right. Native woman in Congress out of New Mexico. Amazing. What about Ayanna Presley, uh, African-American congressional candidate in Boston? Yes. These are women that have such powerful social, economic, and racial justice agendas. Gina Ortiz-Jones, Filipina veteran, uh, LGBT, running for Congress from San Antonio, your home state. I know. Texas. She's working hard. And I look at, like, uh, a Stacey Abrams, who uh, now, when we talked about Georgia and how Brian Kemp, who she's facing, is willing to cheat to suppress the black vote in order to win because she's polling ahead uh, of, of, of this guy. Uh, she'd be the first black woman governor, and she would do it by expanding democracy. And so I, I am just, I am heartened. Uh, I am encouraged uh, when other people say, what do we do about that terrible occupant of the White House? I say, we're doing this. Yeah. Just we're, look around We do you. this. We organize. <laughs> we just organize. We organize. And it's, it's already it's, happening. It's, and it's already happening. <laughs> That's right. It's already happening. Okay. Now, can I ask you a favor, Latasha, as we just wrap up? Yes. Okay. I feel like I know All right. what's going to come. I think I'm I just, you're famous know. for this. You're famous for this. Uh, just, can you leave us with a song? Yes. And this is a song that... Um, coming from Selma, Alabama, this is one of the movement songs. And I learned this song from my grandmother uh, from Alabama. So, well, the first thing I did right was the day I started to fight. Keep your eyes on the prize and hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Keep your eyes on the prize and hold on, hold on. That's all we got to do. I love it. I love it. I just so appreciate it. We're keeping our eyes on the prize. We're holding on. We have a few more weeks of the midterms. So, Latasha, how do we find out more about your work? Go to the Internet. You can go to our website at www.blackvotersmatter.com. Fund, F-U-N-D, dot O-R-G. You can also follow us on Twitter um, at Black Voters Matter, Black Voters M-T-R. Awesome, awesome. Tori? For more information about Texas, please go to the Texas Future Project website at www.texasfutureproject.com. And for more information about how to support these amazing campaigns led by women across the states to rebuild a new electorate, please go to www.waytowin.us. Awesome. And Latasha, by the way, did you say go to the internet? You are so old school. Wait. <laughs> Myself, go to the internet <laughs> and find us. Press on, on the computer. I started with AOL. <laughs> you sure you're not still on that? All right, you have a blessed day. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye, Latasha. Thanks so much for joining us today on Democracy in Color. Our editor is Chiquita Pascal. And special thanks to our political insider, Tim Molina, uh, who's political director of Courage Campaign. This episode of Democracy in Color was produced by Lantigua Williams & Co. Our mixer is Annie Wen. Additional production support by LaVon Briggs. And special thanks to our guests, Latasha Brown and Tori Gavito. If you appreciate this podcast as much as we appreciate you, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and rate us on Apple Podcasts. You can learn more about us at democracyincolor.com. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter. And to find out the latest on She the People, go to shethepeople.org. 
Tell a friend, a colleague, or a neighbor to tune in for their dose of political intelligence. So until next time, thanks for joining us.